0: Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air, online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 AM Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Caspar. From acclaimed director comes the deep and resonant story of the Whitkins, identical twins born in Brooklyn in 1939 painter and lifelong educator Jerome and a renowned photographer Joel Peter may be brothers, but their lives, art and personalities could not be more divergent Peter Joel Peter is a celebrated and controversial photographer and his brother Jerome is an equally acclaimed figurative painter whose work explores political social and cultural themes the film Whitkin and Whitkin explores their, individual lives as well as the intersection of their lives going back to their childhood and a kind of I don't know what the word is getting back together if that's even the word we'll we'll get into all of this with uh, the director of this wonderful film, Whitkin and Whitkin, and that would be Trisha zip Trisha Zip, welcome to Film School Radio. Thank you. Thank you for having me on your show. No Tell boy. me how you got to know um them. What I mean sort of where did this intersect with your life and your decision to move forward with this is a a film about that
1: i met joel years ago crossing america actually with my uh the father of my son uh many many years ago who is also a photographer and was a friend of joel's and we stopped in albuquerque moving from from one coast to the other and so i met joel then and kirsten his son was a kid he was living with uh, both his wives you see and there's a photograph that you see in in the film of the family as as they were when when i knew them that had been in i think vogue magazine anyway so i met joel back then and he would come and see us whenever he was in la we were living in la at the time I have one of his images. I have a picture of him, by him. And then with Jerome, I didn't know his work. I didn't even know he existed. And. I got an invitation to a gallery show, uh, Jack Rutberg Gallery in L.A. The image on the postcard invitation was a painting by Jerome, and I fell in love with the painting. And it was at that moment that actually I got the Guggenheim. So I borrowed the money from my Guggenheim. I did pay it back later to buy the painting because I felt I couldn't live without it. I had the, on my wall in my house, I had a painting by Jerome and a photograph by Joel, and I had no idea that they were brothers. Wow. Um, And then someone said to me, oh, you've got work by both Witkins. and I'm like, both Witkins. And then I thought, oh, this is amazing. That's like, there's this dialogue going on on my wall that I'm not even aware of. And I thought that would make such an interesting documentary. Uh, Jack at the gallery said, there's no way, there's no way they don't get on, they don't talk to each other. There's no way you're going to get a film from this. They're not going to say they'll do it with you. But I'm, you know, if you're a documentarian, you know, you never take no for an answer. Otherwise don't make docs, no? And not that I coerce people, but you know, you know the boundaries of when someone says no. I preface that, and then you respect it. But I needed to hear from them, not from someone else. So I so I got on a plane and I went to see first. I went to see Jerome, and uh, then I went to see Joel. What well, first I went to see Jerome, and he said he said yes that he was interested. And so I immediately got on a plane and went to see Joel. And he said yes. So I had them both write it on a piece of paper by hand. I still have those pieces of paper. And with with that, I began to think how you could structure how you could make a film. And they're both artists. And I thought, what is it that artists want? They want exhibitions. So I thought, so you structure the film around an exhibition, which is of both their works and you organize an exhibition. I live in Mexico City. So then I had to find a museum that would do that because it was a massive undertaking. And again, the father of my son, Pedro Omeya, stepped in. And he at this time had a museum in Mexico City, and it was just opening. And um, so he supported the idea of the show. So then we had a narrative to work with the idea they would come to Mexico, we'd have a show of their work. And they would interact at that point. So that was the kind of birth of, of,
0: of the project. Thank you. That's, uh, that is a remarkable arc and journey on your part. The thing that struck me about them, and I'll start with Joel, well, both of them, I, I mean, we get into this in the film where we you're talking to them individually, and talking about their childhood, and their identical twins. And from what we hear and what we see in some of the photographs from their that time in their lives, they seemed inseparable. They seemed like many identical twins to share a kind of a commonality to, to their to their lives. And as we hear them talk about each other now, I didn't get the sense that it's acrimonious as much as it was sort of an evolution in their development as people that they had not spent any time or much time around each other for many, many years. I didn't sense the acrimony if there there must have been some, but I didn't sense it from their conversations with you. Is that a fair way to put it?
1: I think, you know, people as they get older, they mellow uh, for the most part. I mean, some people obviously don't, but um, I think in their cases, uh, there was a mellowing. I think there was jealousy. Uh, Joel is a much more established artist than Jerome. Jerome devoted his life to teaching. And, and Joel, I think, was quite snide in a way about that. You know, he doesn't believe you can teach art. You either have it or you don't. And Jerome is completely, de- has was for, you know, over 30 years, a devoted teacher. So it's... You know within that you're saying one person's life has more value than another person's life um between them and i think that was the i think that's the reason for
0: um the tension in their relationship how many years did they go between contact would i mean was there a several couple of decades or did they stay in they touch
1: oh i think they certainly spoke to each other on their birthday that i know because i was originally going to start the film with two two film crews one in syracuse and one in albuquerque and film the phone call between them when they called each other on their birthdays and i thought that was a way to begin the film. And I know I know they call each other on their birthdays. I mean, last, what was it, last month uh, was their birthday and I called them both. And I asked Joel if he'd spoken to Jerome and of course they had. There was never, I think, more than a year when they didn't speak, but it was at that time. You know, they also went through tragedies and Jerome lost his son. And obviously, you know, Joel was there for him then. So I think think it's probably more honest to say they were never close, but they never, as far as I know, literally didn't speak for several years. But the quality and the intimacy of that was non-existent.
0: We're speaking with Trisha Ziff. She's the director of the documentary film Whitkin and Whitkin about these two, from what I saw in the documentary, remarkable artists, people with a singular vision of what they wanted to do with their craft, one in painting and one in photography. And they are excellent in the, what I saw from, from their work. And I found a lot of commonality. In the themes of their art, whether it be Jerome as a painter and, and Joel as a, as a photographer, they they seem to share a, is it a macabre or an, what, which is, am I right? Is there, did you see things in their work that were similar or the kind of the thematic part of their work or how would you well, characterize I
1: think, it? I think they both, obviously they both spent a childhood together. They both had the same parents, they both um, were immersed in a, in a world of Catholicism through their mother, the iconography of Catholicism. And, and they had a father who was, was Jewish. So they were immersed in two very, well, Judeo-Christianity isn't so different, but it also is culturally different. So they were immersed in these two worlds, which were also visual worlds, that I think connected them to a a history of Western art as references. So they have that in common. Uh, It's not like, Jerome is an abstract painter and Joel is a, you know, figurative photographer, no, or a landscape photographer. No, they both use the human body. They're both figurative artists and they both construct. I mean, Joel constructs his photographs. He's not a photojournalist. He doesn't photograph what he sees in front of him and makes an image from that. He literally constructs a narrative, finds the actors to participate in the photograph. And then the final making of the image is a matter of seconds. Jerome builds the image. He paints, he paints over, he paints over again. He finds the models. And he makes his narrative like that. So the, even that process, you could argue that Joel's work is quite painterly. It's even though it's photography, it's not instant. And certainly the process of painting is an instant. And I think what they share in common Is a humanism. I think they they share an empathy for people who kind of live outside the boundaries of normality, uh, whether it's these characters that Joel finds for his work or the stories uh, Jerome tells within his work. So I think I think they're basically both very powerful humanists. That to me comes across. I don't. Some of Joel's early work was very wacky and kind of uh, bizarre, if you like. But I think as he, his work matured and he grew older, I think that dominant theme of humanity is what, is what they have in common. They're both quite religious men. I mean, Joel would go to mass every Sunday. Uh, he wouldn't miss mass. Jerome isn't a practicing Catholic, but he is a practicing Christian. And, and so they they share that sense of empathy and forgiveness in the world, I guess. That's what they
0: have in common. You talked about the phone call that they make to one another on their birthdays every year. Beyond that, and and it sounded like sporadically they would talk to one another over the course of events in their life. When was the last time they had physically been together before the exhibition in Mexico city? Is is that, was that very unusual on, you know, in terms of their lives? How often did they physically, were they physically in the same space?
1: Well, they'd been, they'd been uh, together about a year before because Barbara had passed away, right, Jewel's right. partner and Jerome had gone to Albuquerque for that. And I think, the time before that may be when Jerome's son passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure of that. So no, because they spent their it was right at the beginning of filming, and I went to Albuquerque and it, it must have been either must have been their 75th, their 80th birthday. I think it had to be their 75th. Okay. And it was before we began making the film. And Jerome again came to Albuquerque for that. And They didn't get on at all well at that time. It ended as it was kind of a bit disastrous. I wasn't filming, I just went because I was going to be making the film. Um, And they invited me. So, you know, birthdays, deaths uh, were the moments. It wasn't that Joel had an exhibition in Paris and Jerome would go or vice versa. Absolutely not.
0: No. Because the way that you film the. Exhibition, they're walking through the exhibition, I, I thought was really interesting. I mean, you're sort of looking, reading the tea leaves when you see, after you've spent this much time in their lives. And this exhibition was both of their work. And to watch them kind of traverse the area um, was interesting to watch. That was really set up.
1: I mean, I'd said to both of them, can't see the exhibition until it's finished. I want you to both come to the museum to look around. This is obviously prior to the opening. I want you to come in, and, but I want you to, because of the building being white, if you'd wear dark clothes. And Jerome made a fuss about that. And Joel was like, oh, for God's sake, you can't even... <laughs> <laughs> have you know, and anyway, they both they both honored my request. They showed up at the same time. And I had four camera crews at different places in the museum. And I just wanted to see what happened. And one camera high up, and then behind the different walls were different cameras. So we could we could just film the interaction. And I imagined they would go in and they'd start walking around together and they'd start talking. And, of course, that didn't happen. They literally crossed each other's paths. They looked at their own work first to see how...
0: Is that right?
1: Then and then each other's. Yeah. And, And then things softened, and I think they saw... I mean, Joel says in the film, it's the first time I saw so much of Jerome's work and also not in books. And... So I think there was a great respect. It was a massive exhibition and it was a great, I think they had respect for each other. I mean, it was crazy. I curated that show. We did a book and we made the film. I mean, I'm not doing that again. It was it was kind of mad.
0: <laughs> well, I don't want to give too much away. That's, thank you for that answer. I, I just watching them and I don't know how much they spoke as they were crossing each other's, paths or at once they got to the end of watching, looking at all the different um, photographs and paintings, if they if they had a moment of kind of and I don't know if reconciliation is the right word or uh, accommodation is a better word. I, I don't know where this fits in in terms of how they see one another and how they see their relationship moving forward. As you said, they're in their 80s and. Is there a residue of a sort of a feeling after having gone through this experience together in Mexico City? And I'm going, I'm wondering if they've seen the film and if you've gotten any feedback from them. But are they in a different place? Are they in a better place? Is it about where we were when when this project started? And if you don't want to give too much away here, I, I completely respect that. I don't want you to if you don't. But I'm just kind of curious The sort of the that that what was the byproduct of
1: i think they're so they were so invested in that distance that there wasn't some kind of catharsis that took place absolutely not i mean we when we finished the film uh we screened it in los cabos film festival in the north of mexico and they both came and you know, they posed with me for their photographs. They were photographed together, but there was no. You know, I was curious. Obviously, you know, will this film damage that relationship between them? Will it? Will it? Will it make it come together? And neither. It neither did. And I don't. And in a way, I'm. I'm okay. With, I'm pleased about that. I think it's a mythology that films somehow change things or that we have the power to change that much. We can inform, um, but in the end, people, it's people that choose, it, it's its not a, a film. I mean, maybe we do influence a bit, but certainly in their cases, they thought the film was fair. they I mean, there are tough moments in that film. Mm. The, Jerome says highly critical things of Joel, you know they they accepted it they they respected my version of their narrative i guess i left certain things out that i found to be provocative and and didn't develop the story any it didn't develop the narrative and i also you know i'm not a news journal a journalist filmmaker i try and tell different stories i don't want to use my power like that and the film I've just made, it's about a family. And and it was the same moral question for me. You know, of course you can manipulate. You can manipulate in the edit process. You can you can make a story have tension where it's not, but it's in the benefit of your film to do so. I'm not that filmmaker.
0: Well, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Witkin and Witkin, I recommend for people who want to find out more about the film, I believe the best place to send them is IndiePixFilms.com. Is there another website that you would suggest?
1: Well, they can always contact through. uh, Yes. I think, you know, IndiePix took up the film and I'm thrilled about it and they've made a DVD and it looks gorgeous. And so, uh, yes, they should uh, contact IndiePix, for sure, uh, for a DVD. We have a website. Uh, my film company is 212 Berlin Films, as in the city Berlin, even though it's in Mexico. And, uh, and it's a New York phone number, so I quite like the combination. But it's 212 Berlin Films. And uh, you can always contact us through through our website
0: very good i will that will be posted to the filmschoolradio.com website for people looking for more information how to contact um to get through to you and i again thank you so much uh we've been speaking with trisha ziff and she's also known for the such films as the man who saw too much and shevolution and you now it sounds like you have another film in the works coming out soon and if the time and the opportunity presents itself, I hope you'll come back and join us again. Oh,
1: really yeah, imagine. I'd love that. We just won the New York Latino Film Festival last week with it. It's called Oaxaca California, The Return. So yes, that's our new film and it's doing the festivals right now. So thank you so much.
0: Thank you so much, Tricia. The film again, Whitkin and Witkin, we're speaking with director Tricia Ziff.